1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis, Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station, 929 FM, ESPN.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome! The Otto and Jeffrey Show coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. Glad he is with us. Sitting across from me, the Crucial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter, at MGnato Mark, good day, sir. Uh, I'm
3: curious. What day do you consider, like, the start of postseason basketball for real? Like, did last night is it, is it last night when you get like the true you know first mid-major first like kind of batch of mid-majors I know there are some teams that punch their ticket before Monday but but that first batch of mid-majors that punch their ticket is it tonight when we get the first of like the play-in games for the Big 10 right isn't that tonight is that some, yeah they finish on Saturday don't they yeah yeah or is it is it tomorrow when there's more games, but still, you know, a lot of a lot of teams that have buys are not playing. You know, the best teams in a lot of these leagues aren't playing. Like the Big Ten has a double buy. The ACC, the buys are tomorrow, um, or is it Thursday when like postseason basketball starts? What What is it in your mind? For me,
2: it's when wall to wall starts, and I believe that really starts Thursday. tomorrow. You think tomorrow? Yeah, because I think you've got like.
3: 'Cause you'll have small you'll have the small is the
2: technically going right. They're like play in games are going right now. Is it now or tomorrow? Right now. Right you now. Have, you have Louisville and mm. Tech maybe playing. Okay. Um it, it's one it's when it has the the tournament vibes of it starts at like eleven AM. And there's
3: thirteen people there.
2: Yes. And but it goes throughout the day. Because it's
3: two bad teams.
2: Correct. That's kind of when it starts for me. And I think that really will be tomorrow. Like this. This morning, I already lost my first bet of the day. Um, yeah, you're right. You got, there's you like got a Georgia Tech, Florida State uh,
3: in the ACC tournament playing right now, um, and we'll get the we get we get Gonzaga, St. Mary's in your West Coast Conference tonight. In yeah, Vegas. but like,
2: like last night, like Notre Dame,
3: Virginia Tech is the other one.
2: Like I was trying to talk myself into it last night. I'll tell you what, uh, Vegas had the WCC nailed. Uh, the BYU game ended on the number. And mm-hmm. the San Francisco Gonzaga game was like within a possession. And then Louisville, Louisville, Boston College. So BC, ACC
3: yeah. is the one that has their prelim games tonight. Big Ten starts tomorrow, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's it's the the first day for me is when it, you start having wall to wall.
3: I think yeah, I think you're right that it's probably yeah, I think you're probably right. It's Wednesday when you get the wall to wall because Big East tournament starts Wednesday too. Um, you yeah, have Big Ten, Big East, Pac 12. I mean, they're true. all
2: in action. Listen, there are true degenerates out there that believe, listen, no one wants to say this. These five days are as good as the tournament. Because <laughs> they're it's more predictable, a little Correct. more predictable, you right? You have teams that you've seen. most Everyone's played at least once. You mm-hmm. have you have better information. There's better scouting. Mm. There's There's plenty of heroes out there that will say that. Well, that is. That's a good way to start off Tell the Truth Tuesday. Uh, the There's real also, truth. I think this. what makes this conference tournament, whatever, championship week, also fascinating is you have a lot of big names on the bubble.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And we'll talk to Patrick Stevens about that a little bit. And so it, maybe there'll be a little bit more do or die. Mm-hmm. I am curious to see, though, I wonder as time goes on, is there going to be less of an emphasis on it? Like, doesn't Bama feel like a team that they get beat early they're not going to really care
3: yeah well and i think also as you have fewer and fewer guys who are like at a school for three or four years it it also kind of probably diminishes the like oh i want to go win a conference title well if i've only i'm only at the school for one or two years whatever um but no i think you know maybe i don't know it also though is it's just it's always going to be the warm-up to turn you know the ncaa tournament and so that like I think that's always
2: part of it that makes it nice. Rick Barnes is so old school, he'll never admit it. But I do wonder if them going pedal to the metal to try to win the SEC tournament last year, I wonder if there's any, Yeah, man, I wish we would have maybe got bounced on Saturday. Maybe a little more time to rest up.
3: Well, we can talk about it. I talked to Penny about it today. He he was available to the media before they head to Fort Worth tomorrow. We'll talk about that later in the show. It's Tell the Truth Tuesday. We're gonna talk John Morant and the Grizzlies, the latest developments there. Grizzlies in action tonight on TNT against the Lakers. Pal Gasol's retire they're retiring Pal's
2: jersey in LA tonight. Um with the Grizzlies in town. So I remember that announcement at the beginning of the year. It mm-hmm. just clicked with me when I saw the there's been like you know, there's like T-shirts or something. There's mm-hmm. commemorative stuff at cryptowhatever.com. The artist mm-hmm. formerly known as Staples Center. Yeah, it'll always be Staples Center to me. I, I think I'm gonna be like boom on that. It's always the big ketchup bottle. It's Heinz mm-hmm. Field. It's always the Staples Center to yep. me. Yep. But like I was like, oh yeah, that's tonight. That reminded me.
3: Yeah. Um, but we'll get you all up to date on that. We'll tell some truths about the Grizzlies in Ja. 240, as you mentioned, Patrick Stevens. He uh, is the bracketologist for the Washington Post. According to the bracket matrix, one of the more accurate bracketologists out there, we will get his... Th- well, he had
2: a great last year. Two years ago. So, yeah, he was. He won, was number yeah. one
3: two years ago. He also
2: hasn't been in it very much, very long. Like,
3: this year he hasn't... Yeah, he hasn't... Well,
2: yeah. I think he's... Isn't he a purist? Like, I think he only... I think he might be like a...
3: He Pretty, does Some years he does it more than other. It's like... I mean, he's he works for the Washington Post, and it's like dependent on what the Washington Post wants. Yeah, sure. Wants. Um... So uh, we've got that. Well, Patrick Stevens will get his thoughts on Memphis's seeding situation heading into the AAC tournament, his thoughts on those high profile bubble teams, uh, as well as the top seeds in the NCAA tournament, uh, top two seed lines, because chances are, if Memphis makes it, they're, prob- go- they're, they're probably going to play someone on the top two seed lines if they advance to the round of 32. So uh Patrick Stevens will be a, a good guest to stick around for later this hour. Three o'clock or so. We will get into the list. Um I guess we gotta talk about Lamar Jackson. Yes. Yeah, like, so are
2: the Ravens gonna just totally bungle this thing? I think I think today's news might suggest they're not even bungling it. They might be they might be the question for me is are the Ravens gonna be okay with letting him walk?
3: Yeah. Um we've got uh a, a new quarterback deal tom brady rumors about tom brady that he's laughed off rumors of his return
2: we have Mich- we have like michigan man inception we yes. have rich eisen mm-hmm. with his top rumors about another michigan man tom brady mm-hmm. and we have another michigan man the one sitting across from me and we got to talk tom brady
3: yeah so uh all that in the list and then uh We'll wrap things up, like I said, with uh, maybe get into what Penny said today ahead of the AAC tournament. So lots and lots to get to. But we should start on the John Morant front. Um, Yesterday's news, I would say, like, there's been a lot said about John Morant. But if we really distill it down to, like, what has happened over the last couple days, yesterday, the only actual news was that the Colorado police are now investigating what happened at that, Club, uh, which is alleged to be, I believe Shotgun Willies is what we've decided is what's being reported. We have we a gentleman's club. Uh, so ESPN has reported it via source that it was Wh- Shotgun
2: Willies. O B T B five 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 yesterday on Twitter mm-hmm. before the ESPN Listener, report. This is this was yesterday at two twenty eight. This mm-hmm. was when we As were we discussing were talking it. about it, and he had tweeted out at us, Memphian here. Who lived in Denver for a number of years? If he was in Glendale at 3 a.m., he was at Shotgun Willie's. That's all that's in the that small area that would be open with a quote club atmosphere.
3: Founded in 1982, Shotgun Willie is Denver. De- Shotgun Willie's is Denver Metro's premier and most legendary gentleman's club. I believe it's also
2: female owned. Is that true? The, uh, they've been pumping that up. I've been seeing that going around on social media
3: okay, about us. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For the modern, ge- yeah, woman-owned club yep, for the modern gentleman. For Debbie Dunnehan, Debbie Dunifan opened Shotgun Willies in 1982. It has risen to become one of the top gentlemen's clubs in the country. Do you think?
2: Here's the question, though: Does it have a tune? Like, sh- it, do people just call it Shotgun Willies, or is it Willies? Like, for instance, the gold standard for years in Memphis used to be we had Platinum Plus, but everybody just called it Platinum.
3: Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not, listen, I am not on the Mm -hmm. inn, if you will, on Denver's strip club scene. I'm sorry. I'm just not, I'm not,
2: I'm not, I'm not, I don't have that expertise. So there's always the joke, (laughs) and I've got some buddies that live there. There's always the joke that Denver, everyone calls it member. A lot of dudes live there, especially like in the young professional age. I wonder if that speaks, I wonder what that would mean about the scene there. Are we talking Tampa-esque? God, they call their
3: menu because it has drinks and food, mm. cork and cleavage. There we go. C and C. But okay, so that was the news yesterday. Of all the like, you know, there's all these different things said I, about John Morant yet yeah, over the last 48 hours, 72 hours by everyone. I think us you can included. say this.
2: That's really the only news since the video and then the responses. Well, I would say, and then the other bit
3: of news, if you will. Was Shams Sharania's report yesterday afternoon, uh, in which he reported that before this incident, not necessarily right before it, but at some point in the recent in recent uh, time, in recent days, there was a players-only meeting held by the Grizzlies. This is according to Shams, in which Stephen Adams spoke to the group about being more professional on the road and like not essentially don't go out as much on the road. Um and according to Shams, everyone in the room knew he was really just addressing John ja Morant. It, it was but a, wasn't wasn't saying John ja Morant's name, but everyone knew he was really talking about Ja there.
2: And, and for the record, we've kind of talked about this on the show mm-hmm. that this
3: has been. An- well, and I would just say this: I'm not ready. You know, like ultimately, like Shams got Shams has his sources, and he's a very good reporter. Like I also like I can't confirm or deny what he's. You know, like it is also a little bit presumptuous to just say, "Oh, everyone in the room knew he was talking about Ja." I mean, I believe him that someone told him that, and he felt yeah, yeah, yeah. comfortable with that person reporting it. But I also think, like, it's also like a little presumptuous to say, like, you know, we know, every, you know, that person knows what everyone knew he was talking about. Ja, he might have well been, but I just can't sit here and say, like, that definitely. You know, I can't say confirm that or anything, but it is, it's out there. That's that's really what, you know, and sh- it's out there from a reputable big-time reporter um, that that is that is what happened, you know, and there's been other speculation from other, you know, la- l- prominent voices in the NBA world, um, but I feel like the Shams report is the only kind of real reporting. You know, a lot of the other stuff is just like, well, I you know, I hear ja, this is who Ja goes out with, and, you know, maybe T should do this, and, you know, like a lot of it is, you know, ultimately it's just like, scuttlebutt to me the two bits of news yeah, but I is think, the charges you,
2: and then the shams report if you think about shams's report though i do agree it it had the it had the air of more legitimacy mm-hmm. but in the end all he said was i was told yeah and to me that's no different than like for instance some of the other podcasts that have been going around that have said i was told this
3: yeah yeah no that's fair and so um that's where we that's where we're at with uh, John Morant and he's not going to play tonight. Seems like um seems like we're trending towards, you know, the, the way they phrased it. Now we'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Taylor Jenkins and people say tonight before the Lakers game and after the Lakers game if there's any sort of insinuation that like maybe this is, you know, going to be done by the Lakers game. Are done, you know, he's going to be back for the Warriors game Thursday. I doubt that. I doubt we're going to get it. One, I doubt we're going to get any clue. And two, I'm doubtful he's going to play Thursday, ultimately. Right? Isn't that where you're at? I mean, my tell the truth is I don't think he's playing this week. Really? You think, like, you think this is going to be, to me, like, an extended absence would be he misses more than five games. Do you think he's going to miss more than five games? That would put him at, if he missed five games, it would be, it would be, but basically through next Monday. Like Monday, they put, Monday would be the fifth game he misses.
2: You think he's going to miss more than that? I think he misses more than five games. Wow. Now, the question is, how many more? (sighs) Because... I do think that is— And I'm back—are you saying five games from now or like in total? No, five games total. Like, the fifth game missed would be
3: the second Dallas game on Monday. I think he's going to be out. I think he's—yeah, I think he misses at least five games. And then they play at—they're on a road trip there. Do do you think he's really going to come back on a road trip? I do not. So that would mean if you're saying if you're saying you think he's out through Monday, that also and and you also don't think he comes back on the road cuz I actually tend to agree with that. Like I think you want to make his first game back a home game. Where I he's going to get a nice where he's going to get a nice reception cuz they go <laughs> It's so funny. They so they're going on the road. They play at Dallas Monday, then at Miami a week from uh tomorrow, and then at San Antonio a week from Friday. And then the uh, next home game would be the Warriors Saturday, March eighteenth at home. then then they get the Mavericks at home on the twentieth be the second night of a back to back against that's a tough that's you know they play at the at the Spurs Friday, March seventeenth. so a week from Friday, and then the Warriors at home Saturday, March eighteenth. and then the Mavericks Monday, March twentieth, followed by Houston at home march twenty second My gut, you're saying you think they play they have a four game home stand there where they play. The Warriors, Mavericks, Rockets, and then Rockets back to back, March eighteenth through the twenty fourth. You're saying you think he's probably back in that range.
2: How many games would that be? That would be if you backdate it, yeah.
3: Um six, seven, eight. The eighth game is the is the start of the home stand. And then you play nine, ten, eleven. Um so eight through eleven games
2: missed would be depending on that homestand. That that sounds about right. The number I have in my head is somewhere around 10 games. Interesting. That's... I mean, the real question now is... Okay, so I think this. I'm speculating, but I, I have a, a, a gut feeling... This is all speculation.
3: They've said no timetable. Yeah, no, I, like,
2: oh, I don't I'm, think they I'm, really
3: I'm, know in their head. Like, ultimately, it's going to come down to, I think... You know, what is Jaws actions over this time period that he's out? Ultimately? There's a couple things,
2: but I'll say this. I'll I'll start this way. My gut says that nothing from the legal proceedings ends up matriculating. You don't think... Well, I can, I tell, you, be, I can tell you this. I think this. it'll be dusty enough to where... I can tell you this Um, from
3: speaking to the Glendale public information officer, Glendale Police. I think they're... This thing, the, the criminal part of it... We'll know... We're going to know very soon whether he's charged with anything or whether there's nothing that came from the investigation. That's what I that, like just from talking to the uh people out there. I think we'll know soon whether he's being charged with something or not. That'll get resolved quickly, I think.
2: My gut says since there was no incident report, if you will, mm-hmm. no one no one called to complain. Correct. My gut says that's going to be tough to charge. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Not a legal expert, should specify. What
3: happens in Shotgun Willies stays in Shotgun Willies unless you go on Instagram Live.
2: If you're talking about the concerns, the disciplinary concerns, I do think the NBA's investigation is more prominent. From a legal obvious perspective, the most important aspect is if there's any criminal charges. My gut says, though, Nothing really comes up. Am, am I being too callous or like too
3: naive or not taking this serious enough when I go, when I survey the scene now, as we're, as we're now, what, three, four days into this, and so many people have weighed in. Full
2: Saturday, full Sunday, Monday. We're like, yeah, three and a half. Whatever.
3: Like, so many people have weighed in. Like, everyone in, everyone, ev- it seems like every former NBA player who is now in the media has. Weighed in on this.
2: We even got Plexico Burris weighing in. Yes,
3: every athlete who's had a gun situation seems to have weighed in on this. I just that made me so angry. You don't understand. Learn
2: from me. Until he shot himself in the leg, we were so good that year. <laughs> we were looking at back-to-back Super Bowls. we were freaking like eleven and one. We were rolling, and then he went and did that, and the season just went down the tubes. But am I?
3: Am I like like? Honestly, the way I look at it now that we're four days out, like. It's a 23-year-old, and you know what the Stephen Adams, like, if if we're to believe Sham's reporting, like, to me, it's a 23-year-old who was partying too much. I've met a lot of those people over the years. A lot of 23-year-olds who partied too much. I might have been one of them. And it's like, I, I. it's serious what happened. Like, him flashing the gun. Like, it was It's serious and stupid. But at the same time, like, he's going to come back from this. Like, this isn't that bad. Like, this isn't. I I don't know. I I just have – maybe it's misguided faith, but, like, I don't – I think we're going to look – I said this yesterday. I think we're going to look back on this in a couple years and kind of, like, laugh about how stupid it was. Not, like, go, this was John Morant's – this was. This is when the downfall happened. This is the end of the – you know, this is the end of the documentary when things went awry – you know, when when it went awry for John Morant. Like, I don't think we're – I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to come back as – maybe in a couple weeks – you know, maybe this season might not go as planned because of all this, but, like, I don't think his career is not going to go as planned because of all this.
2: No, this does feel like a crisis point.
3: Yeah, it's definitely a crisis. It's very, I mean, like, it's a crisis if only because, like, literally the entire sports world
2: is, like, dissecting his life now. Correct. And it's somewhat a victim of circumstances. The reality is... The conversation around the NBA until we get the playoffs, it's never basketball related. It's not really transactional related. It's, mm-hmm. unless somebody demands a trade, it's off court stuff. And also, it happened to fall in that like sweet spot of we haven't gotten to the NCAA tournament yet. Mm-hmm. We're still clearly in the dog days of the NBA. Mm-hmm. NFL combine was kind of going on, but. You know what I mean? Like, it was it was a superstar with video. And I think that's the other aspect of it. It, it seems to me we... I don't know if the word is overreact, but we certainly discuss more mm-hmm. when we see video. Yeah. It was one thing when we knew... When we saw the report that Ray Rice, be one Rice, thing if
3: it was just like a little a report that said John Morant was out till five in the morning or whatever three in right. the morning and had a gun.
2: Correct. It's one thing when you hear but Ray the Rice video. when Ray Rice hits his fiance or whatever. I think I, I think that was fiance at the time. It was a completely different thing when we saw the video. Mm-hmm. Now this is nowhere in that realm, but I'm saying video is what makes it so much more impactful. Mm-hmm. But I do 100% agree with you. It feels like now the conversation and the dramatic nature of the discussion around the event kind of jumped the shark. Is a bit. greatly outweighing. Mm-hmm. I I said this yesterday and I still believe it today. In the end, the conversation should have been, "Holy hell, this was stupid." Yeah, self sabotaging and stupid. Correct. Yeah, but we've also decided what we as a society we don't let people do anything stupidly it has to be some type of grand proclamation It has to be some indictment on society It has to be indictment on the way someone was raised or culture mm-hmm. or what it can't just be holy hell that was stupid yeah yeah like you're not allowed we're not allowed to do that anymore for whatever reason and so I'm kind of putting it in the category like I get it it's our jobs we have to talk about it. Is it not verging on like Aaron Rodgers territory for you? Like wake me up when a decision's announced.
3: Yeah, well like, that's that's why I keep going like what is the actual things that have happened since Saturday? It's the NBA's opening investigation. The Grizzlies announced Well,
2: that was announced first. Yeah, yeah.
3: The Grizzlies announced he's going to be leaving the team for at least two games. Ja put out a statement apologizing. The Colorado police confirmed they've opened a probe. They're probing.
2: And he went dark, whatever. The socials were.
3: The socials got turned off, you know. And then. Six months too late. And then maybe. I, I do think the shams report was more meaningful than everything else. I think you're right, though. Ultimately, it's what he was told, probably by an agent. I, again. And I'm not. I'm not. I, like, I don't think, like, I think. Dan Wolkin tweeted, like, oh, the Grizzlies leaked. There's no way the Grizzlies leaked that, the the Stephen Adams thing. And I frankly think there's – I bet you a player didn't directly leak it. Now, did a player tell his agent, not realizing his agent might talk
2: to Shams about it? That might have happened. My general viewpoint, and again, it's not always the case, but as it pertains to the Grizzlies, which is what I've experienced with, the front office or the executive team, however you want to define them Mm – I have not noticed that they leaked to Shams. From Shams' reporting, and he is a great reporter, it seems largely, though, to come from players and agents. And this, to me, did not sit... If you're going to leak to the media, this is not something that you would leak from the Grizzlies' perspective.
3: No, doesn't make much sense. Um, and I don't think there's that many people that have talked to Josh ja since this all happened, Ultimately. Like I'm I mean, sure there's some people. Yeah, I'm
2: I haven't seen it, but I mean I'm assuming he has spoken to someone.
3: Yeah. Um now what's he doing? That's I think that is a fair question and I don't know if we'll get an answer to it, straight you know, like I don't know if Judge's just going to come out and say what he's doing right now, like what what actual what are the actual steps he's taking? To remedy this, I if think you will. the
2: only way we find out what Ja is doing is if Jaw comes out and says it. I do not, well, or if someone you know figures it. out. You know, there's, like, yeah, there's well, like the, a
3: report comes out. You okay, know, people, let me
2: phrase it from the. I do not think the Grizzlies... So they're not going to yeah, just
3: yeah. offer it up. Correct. No, I mean yes. it's it's ultimately um, you could argue, you know, a private thing if he wants it to be, and I'm that's what I, I'm going to guess. That's the stance he takes ultimately. Like it's going to be like, listen, I just.
2: I did what I had to do to, you know, and I... I I mean, you can hide behind that, I would argue, when you went live uh, on social media. I mean, we'll see. It'll be... I'm just, you know... But yes, I do think you can hide behind that.
3: But, like, ultimately, I'm not one of those people who's looking at this as, like... Yes, it's a crisis, but I also think it's, like, a very... Like, I said yesterday, it kind of feels like a tale as old as time. Like, you know, small-town guy... Who makes a huge rise? It's like a all, you know, like seeing in the movies all the time, and then like the spotlight comes, and he forgets who he is for a second, and then something happens. It makes him reconsider who he's. It's usually you know, he gets what back
2: he, with his high school girlfriend <laughs> who enters the picture. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, yes, if, yes. I loved you my whole life. Yes, he apologizes. The only know. one who knows yeah. me. Yeah,
3: and then and then they figure it out, and they move on with their lives. And you know, again, another tale as old as time. The 21 22 23 I'm sure year olds
2: actually laid out sweet home alabama. <laughs> it's just instead of instead of Jaws the lead, Jaws Reese Witherspoon. And
3: then yeah, he might be We drink- need Josh Lucas. He's drinking too much maybe. Yeah. Like maybe that's the case. And it's like, you know, like again, I know a lot of 21 22 23 year olds who are who including myself drank too much at that age. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, like, and then, you you know, once you got older, you ran into a situation where it's like, man, I should not have gotten that drunk. Like, you were like, I had one, like, it was like at a wedding when I was like 23 or 24, and I was like, way too drunk. And I was like, I I can't
2: do this anymore. And when you have to file out the fax report to send out. uh, No, like
3: when you wake up the next morning and like people are telling you stuff you did and you're like, wait, what? (laughs) And like, I would luckily I'm like a happy drunk, you know, and it. I, it seems to me, you know, Ja was a happy drunk. He just, you know, unfortunately, had a gun and put it on Instagram. Yeah, there is, but like, you can solve that. It's like I, I don't know. I and maybe it's harder. You know, pe- there's probably people listening who are, you know, who go like, for some people it's really difficult, and I think that is probably correct. But when I look at this situation as someone who's covered that team for a few years with Ja Morant on it. I kind of just look at it as a 23-year-old who needs to mature and and has now hopefully hit a moment in his life, a crisis if you will, that will convince that that's convinced him okay, like I got to clean this up and he will. Yeah, that's kind of
2: how I look at it. I, I'm with you. I I'm not saying that it it doesn't mean that you have a problem, but I've seen plenty of 23-year-olds that went out and partied too much I'll, I'll include my... Now, th- they weren't
3: millionaires. Now,
2: that's the problem. That's the <laughs> thing. is like, I can't understand this universe. Mm-hmm. Like, I can understand drinking too much. Well, and, and it's interesting. But, like, the party... Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, when you're when you a 23-year-old in your first job, I, like, I didn't have the access to go and party all yeah. the time. Well, and it's
3: interesting. Penny Hardaway was asked about this today at his availability. Because, like, Penny does... You know, he can relate in the way others cannot. Because he was 100%. a young superstar. Not in the... And, and even Penny pointed out... Not in the social media era. Like, you know, there was no option for Penny Hardaway to go on Instagram Live when he went out, when he was younger. Um, But he said this about Ja. We're all praying for Ja. I'm here for Ja. I'm really close to the family. Not as close to Ja, but we're just praying for him. He's human. He's young. And we just got to continue to pray for him and support him. Uh, And then he went on to say, I think people understand how hard it is for young guys in the NBA. With social media and so much stuff going on, it's tough. You need a great support system, and he's going to have a great support system now because everybody is rallying around him. But it is tough. You're 21, 22, 23 years old and making millions of dollars, and social media is so crazy now. It's difficult. That's what Penny said today.
2: And I guess where I keep going back to is I think this is incredibly stupid, but sometimes when you're at a certain age, you need a little wake-up call. Mm Mm-hmm. And a wake up call that threatens to take away the things that you love. But to me, like that's kind of like if this ends up resulting in maybe getting some outside voices in mm-hmm. that I think are are better equipped to handle the John ja Morant Company,
3: mm-hmm. John ja Morant Inc. If yes, you will.
2: which could be a billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. Then I think it's all well and good. I think though the the bigger th- the bigger story I think as it develops is I think this is also a crisis point for the Grizzlies, not in the sense of they made a blunder and whatnot. I do think though, this is the first time like however they eventually get out of this, mm-hmm. they're going to be judged upon that. Yeah. No. And it's the, the whole exit out of this is
3: very interesting in the sense that like, we don't know. Like I, I agree with you. My, my, my Gut tells me he's not going to get charged with a crime, probably, in Colorado. I don't think. I mean, it's, a, it's certainly a possibility. They opened a probe and maybe, you know, but it like... I guess the way I would look at it is this. If he has a decent attorney, I would think that this is something that they could beat. And then, but I do think the NBA aspect of it, where they're, you know, it's very clear, you know, Mark Stein put out some stuff today on his podcast. Some of it was actually not accurate, but Mark Stein's a a very good reporter and I know talks to the NBA league office and it's very clear what the NBA league office is basically trying to figure out is was this his gun? Did he bring it on the plane? Right. That's what they're trying to figure out because he will get a punishment for that. Now there were these reports and, and Mark Stein said on his podcast that carries a mandatory 50 game suspension, which is not a, he went out and corrected that on, you know, on Twitter later people are extrapolating that because that's what Gilbert arenas got for his gun stuff. And if you read the fine print, and Marstein points this out, Gilbert Arenas actually got suspended indefinitely, not for 50 games. It just so happened there were 50 games left that season, right? And so he missed 50 games, and then he was reinstated for the next season. Um, if you look at history, you know, there's not a lot of examples of guys bringing guns onto NBA property, if you will, or you know, on a team plane,
2: or at least getting caught
3: you know yes or getting caught doing that um like steven jackson fired a gun outside a strip club at one point and got suspended for 7 games i believe is uh, in
2: Glendale, colorado
3: no okay but um but that was i don't think that was like during nba work time you know it was like off the off, off season. season you know there was the off season um one was a celebratory shot come on <laughs> you also like raymond felton at, got suspended for 4 games for gun-related stuff in 2014, Delante West got 10 games in 2010, 11 for gun stuff. Um, you know, they all play, and they all had charges. Like that was all like if you know, they all had charges from police, and that's why they got suspended. You know, that's all they pled guilty, if you will, to some sort of gun-related charge, and got suspended. Um, so the 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 message I would just get across, and I think most of Memphis realizes it, but it feels like with this you know, this avalanche of, like, opinions about Jaws' life and these, like, you know, everyone having a take on it. You lose sight of, like, he's going to come back from this. The tricky part, the part we just don't know is when. Like, yeah. we don't know, you know, like, and I mean that in terms of both coming back on the court, getting his reputation back, if you will. Like, I don't know when that's going to happen. But I do think in, you know... You know, maybe some people's opinions of John Moran have been changed forever because of this. I, I'm not one of them. I don't think a lot of people in Memphis are part of that. But I do think there will be some whose opinion of him is altered permanently because of this episode, if you will. The, the, the stuff we've learned about what he's done. But I think most people, by and large, like it's a forgive and forget society. Like Kobe Bryant got charged with rape. Yeah. No, but there's some people... You know, we saw it when he passed away. Like, there were some people who have not, like, that—that that is something that they will not forgive him for. And now, that's now obviously way worse than what Ja's done here. Right. But, but by and large,
2: the most sentiment th- yes. was overwhelmingly positive. I agree. I agree. Yes.
3: No, I agree. And I think that's going to be the case with Ja, ultimately. We're going to look back. This is not going, this is a defining moment, but I don't think it's the defining moment for him. Yeah. Like, it's not going to. it's not going to define his career, this, as long as he takes the necessary steps. And, you know, it feels like given all the deluge of criticism he's taken, that's what he's going to do at this point. It's gotten – I mean, but, like, I just feel like at this – we're losing sight of that a little bit. Like, you know, with everyone dissecting his life at this point.
2: Yes, I, I am with you on that. We'll get into the Grizzlies and Lakers tonight. The game's on TNT. Right now the Grizzlies one point underdogs. We'll discuss that during hour number two. But let's get into the college basketball NCAA tournament. Let's find out where the or I should say where the Tigers are in terms of how Patrick Stevens views it. We'll discuss that, bubble teams and more. When we come back right here on GNOtto and Jeffrey, 929 FM ESPN.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Giannotto and Jeffrey, broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of
1: GJ is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannotto and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN.
2: But MGM has given soccer fans a chance to go for the goal this season. Just place a one-game parlay wager with four legs or more and a minimum Plus 400 odds on any English Premier League game. If all legs of the parlay hit, but one, you'll receive a $25 back in bonus bets. Log into your account or download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Turn game time into showtime with BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older, must be in Tennessee. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Redline, 1 800 889 9789. Patrick Stevens is the bracketologist for the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter. At D1 Scores, so it looks like Discourse with a D and a 1. Go follow him on Twitter. Patrick, I guess let's start here. It feels like it's a tradition here in Memphis uh, as we turn the calendar to March. How safe is Memphis, or how safe are they not? I think they're incredibly
4: safe. In fact, you know, regardless of what you think about watching Memphis, when you look at them and their profile on paper, they're really one of the most boring teams out there. Like, their profile numbers, the the six numbers on the team sheet, are all the are all between twenty six and thirty five. Like they are going to be somewhere between a seven and a ten seed come Sunday, one way or the other. Uh, regardless, I think of what happens in the American Athletic tournament. Yeah, I, I think they're probably like about a nine right now, and maybe if they pick up a few decent wins. This weekend, maybe they can get themselves up to the 7 line, but, but I think that it's that 7-10 to 10 range for them, and I don't think there's really much doubt.
3: So even if they, like, let's say they lost, uh, I guess the worst-case scenario would be they lose to SMU in yeah, the AAC quarterfinals. Yeah, SMU beats
2: UCF, and then they lose to them. They're, you yeah, still I mean, think that they're
4: obviously, in? W- that obviously would, would not be good, but, you know, they're going to take 36 teams as that large selections. And if, if, you, if you took a look at some of the teams that we're, we're discussing <laughs> in that spot, you know, it, it. the story I like, you know, the, the joke I like to bring up is, you know, the two guys that are, you know, in the woods and they're running from a bear. And, uh, you know, the the one guy says, we're never going to outrun this bear. and The other guy says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. You know, yes. they're <laughs> going to catch Team 37. They're not going to catch Team 36. And I, I don't see a way that Memphis, uh, gets overtaken uh, regardless. I mean, I, I would be surprised even if they ended up in Dayton just based on, on what they've been able to accomplish. That Texas A&M win looks better and better. The Auburn win has certainly held up reasonably well. Now, even, even a game like at Vanderbilt back on the first day of the season has, has held up pretty well. And they've got this huge collection of quad two wins. Uh, and really, the worst thing they've done all season was lose by a point in overtime to Tulane, which you know, when you think about it, it's really not that terrible a thing to do. So, overall, I mean, I I don't really – Memphis is not a team I'm actually spending much time thinking about just because their profile (laughs) seems as locked in as just about anybody at this point. Just – there is much in that 8-9-10 conversation as Houston is as a 1. Like, that's just kind of where they are.
3: Interesting. Patrick, I'm curious. You mentioned that. Right now you've got them bracketed uh, playing Missouri in Columbus as a 9-seed. Uh, and would be in Purdue's uh, pod, if you will, as a one seed. I'm curious because I think ultimately my gut tells me they're going to end up similar position as last year, like an eight or a nine seed, and get bracketed with a one seed. How do you see the one seed situation heading into conference tournament week? You know, I know UCLA's in the mix. You know, how safe are you know Alabama, Kansas, Houston? How do you see that playing out this week? What are the, I guess, stakes or scenarios this week in your mind with the one-seat line?
4: Yeah, I think there's six teams that can probably still get to the one line at this point. Uh, I I don't know if Arizona can do it, and I don't know if Baylor can do it or any of the other Big 12 teams. But Kansas and Texas out of the Big 12, Purdue, UCLA, Alabama, and Houston are the teams that I think are in that mix. Um, You look at all those teams – Uh, with the exception, I guess, of Texas, have a chance to be double champions of their respective leagues. Houston's metrics numbers are all in the top four at this point, as are Alabama's. So it it makes it hard for me to imagine either of them getting knocked out of there. I I think Kansas, with its plethora of quad one wins, it has 15 of them. It is 15 and six in quad one games. It is 10 and 0 in its non-quad one games. that's a team I don't see them getting knocked off. I think it's going to be UCLA, Texas, or Purdue for that last number one seed. And then the other two will probably be the top number two seeds. How vulnerable is Purdue right now? Well, I I saw them here in the DC area a few weeks ago against Maryland. And that was in the middle of a stretch where it didn't seem like they could buy a win on the road. Uh, I I think that obviously Zach Eady is having a fabulous season and there is not a player that creates quite as many matchup issues as that seven foot four dude. But I think that their backcourt is young and a bit vulnerable and I, I'm not entirely sold on them as much more than a team that can make it to the second weekend. I am also decidedly down on the big 10 after having watched enough of that over the course of this season. Uh, I don't trust pretty much any of those teams to do a whole lot. I do think Purdue and Indiana will have the benefit of having the best player on the floor pretty much every time they take the court. But, uh, you know, going 15-5 and five in the Big Ten, it looks impressive on paper, but I think there's a lot of good teams and very, very few, if any, great teams in the Big Ten, Purdue obviously being the closest to that. I think that they will create enough problems for people just with Edie to be able to make it through to the second weekend but I could see the right 8 or 9 seed playing well, or, or 7 or 10 seed if it comes to that. Playing well, being, being able to say, okay, Edie, you go get your 25 and 16, and we'll shut everybody else down and take our chances. Because uh, I think that's really the best strategy, is just to accept that he's going to get his, uh, but you can defend and game plan for pretty much everybody else on that roster.
3: Curious your thoughts on three SEC teams. Let's start with Tennessee. You've got them as a three seed right now. Can is Ten- Can Tennessee at this point play their way back into a two seed, or is it really just a you know for them maintaining that three? And could they slip below a three seed?
4: They probably need some help from somebody, whether that's Arizona or, to a lesser extent, a Baylor or one of the other Big Twelve teams. Uh, you know what we've seen over the last few years is the the conference tournaments haven't meant as much. Uh, and remember too, most teams lose their last game. So if you're Baylor and you go off and you lose your last game to say a Kansas State or a Texas, that's not really going to hurt you that much. Can Tennessee play its way up still? Maybe, but the better question is, can they? Is are they capable of doing it? And I'm not really sure that that seems all that likely right now. The injury issues, you know, there's just that's not a team that that you know, even besides like the the little stretch they had where they couldn't catch any breaks at the buzzer. Uh, it's just not a team that's playing as well as it did earlier in the season, and so you know I, I could very easily see them being a semifinalist in the SEC, getting a split, and, and that being that, or whatever it is. Uh, but ultimately, you know I, I don't know if they're going to get much beyond that three line.
2: How much does the selection committee factor in injuries when seating a team?
4: Seeding it comes into play a little bit. You know, I think selection. I think they've done a good job over the years of trying to. Base the overall base selection on the overall body of work and seating based, maybe a little bit more uh, uh, subjectively, uh, you know, to try to take into account player availability and whatnot. So, if you wanted to argue that, that Tennessee might get dinged a line because of that, it's certainly possible.
3: Mississippi State, you've got them in as an 11 seed. Uh, how perilous? Uh, how are they hanging on? You don't have them as last four in at this point where where's mississippi state what do they got to do at the sec tournament to to get in the tournament
4: man i tell you what like the, the 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 group of teams in the last six teams in the field i mean you really could shake them up mm-hmm. uh and just roll them out in any sort of order that you wanted. so it, it you know they they have some work to do i think is fair to say uh, as, they, as they head into the SEC tournament. And I'm trying to remember exactly who they play. I haven't quite gotten that
2: far. They're in the Bama
4: side of the bracket. Okay, so they, I think so they, they play, play Florida, maybe? Florida. They play Florida and then would play Alabama. I mean, I think it would be a good idea for them to beat Florida. Um, mm-hmm. I think if they play, if they beat Florida and then, you know, as long as they didn't get run off the floor against Alabama, I think they would be certainly in solid enough shape. I mean, when you look at their profile – uh, you know, the, there's none of the metrics say they're awful. They're, they're all all six of those items on the team sheet. They are between 40 and 54. They're four and seven in quad one games, which isn't bad. It's not great. Uh, with a neutral site win over in Marquette, they won in Arkansas. They beat Texas A&M and TCU. They're three and three in quad two games. One of the best things they have going for them at this point is there's not a lot of bad things on that profile. They lost at Georgia in early January and that's about it. You know, they have a respectable road record. They're four and six away from home, four and one on neutral courts. You know, they just they check enough boxes all the way through that when you look at them you say, Well, there's there's just not something to say, well, well, this is really disqualifying. And so if they can go beat Florida, and that's a quad two game on a neutral floor, and and then, say, lose to Alabama, uh, I, I think that they will be a team that gets in. Might have to go to Dayton, uh, but I think that that would be a team that would get in. Beat Alabama, and I think it's smooth sailing for the Bulldogs. You,
3: you mentioned Vanderbilt earlier and how that win has become better and better for Memphis's profile. You've got them listed as next four out. Is there a scenario where Vanderbilt... Doesn't have to win the SEC like they make it to the SEC championship game. Uh, You know, we saw A and M do that last year, fall short, and ultimately miss the tournament. Is that is Vanderbilt still in like you better win the tournament mode or?
4: I think they might be. I mean, but the interesting thing is is they're they're like the they're they're sort of a unicorn this year. Where when you look at everything, you looked at everything a few weeks ago. There was basically like the 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 bottom fell out after you got about eight or nine teams outside the field. And not only that, when you started looking at the teams beyond that, and you looked at their profiles and you, you tried to use even some level of imagination to think of a best case scenario. It's like none of these teams can, can get there. You know, Villanova or Seton hall or, or whoever, they weren't going to be able to get there, but Vanderbilt was the one that could, and they picked up a few more decent wins. And, and then they went and they lost at LSU, which, which was just a, a dreadful loss for them uh, a couple weeks back. I don't know that Vanderbilt can get into the at-large field, but I do know that they have an unusually interesting profile for a team that has a net of 82. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the Tennessee win. They won at Kentucky. They beat Arkansas. They beat Auburn. They beat Mississippi State. They beat Pitt, which is an interesting win. You know, they are a combined nine and ten in the top two quadrants. And when you look at those numbers on the team sheets, the result-based metrics mean more than the predictive metrics and so the two result-based metrics for Vanderbilt have them at 40 and 52 the predictive metrics at 83 81 and 70 which is kind of a nice way of saying uh you you when you've lost you've really really lost and you've won a fair number of close games and of course when we think of Vanderbilt getting you know blown out we think about that game in, in Tuscaloosa right so you know, I think if you took that number out, they'd probably be a lot better off in all those predictive metrics. That said, I do think that they would make an interesting case if they were able to go rip off three in a row. I don't know if they could get there without winning the SEC title game, but they do have the potential to be the most interesting team in the entire country this week.
3: What about UNC? They're kind of interesting, right? Last you got them as last, uh, first four out right now. Um, are they interesting? or are they bad? I think they're uh, both. I think
4: they're more dysfunctional than anything else. Um, as, as somebody that watches more more ACC basketball than I probably should at this point. You know, you watch them and and they just haven't been right pretty much all season. and it, it's it's just striking that you know, even though you know everybody thought they were going to be good in large part because they won five games in a row last March, um you know it's sort of a reminder that maybe you shouldn't put a, as much stock in that small sample size but nobody thought that they were going to be 19 and 12 like you if they had simply been a second round team last year people still would have thought they would have been better than this carolina is another one of those teams that has the benefit of having not messed up their average net loss is 39 their the worst loss on their team sheet is arguably Uh, a home loss to Pittsburgh, or a road loss at Wake Forest, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, And so they are in a position where they'll get probably Boston College because it's hard to imagine Louisville winning a game at the ACC tournament later today. So Boston College, then Virginia, and then possibly Clemson or NC State or or somebody else. I, I think that they would be really, really well served to win three games in Greensboro to give themselves a shot to, to make it into the tournament this year. There's not a whole lot for them to hang their hat on. They've got the home wins over Virginia and NC State. It's kind of amazing to be sitting here on March 7th and saying that the third-best victory that North Carolina has is against College of Charleston, but it's true. And Charleston's really good, too. But for being in a power conference that that's and having all the opportunities that you have, that's not something you would expect. And so this is one of those reminders that every game counts. And so you go back and you think about that four-overtime game out in Portland over Thanksgiving weekend against Alabama. And if Carolina simply could have closed that thing out on a couple of occasions, how much different their profile would look simply by having that Alabama win. And, you know, I think that that with with where they're at now, there's definitely a lot of work to do in Greensboro in the next few
2: days. Patrick, you mentioned – watching Big Ten basketball and what a chore it's been. I've been doing a lot of it recently. How is Wisconsin? I feel, still- I feel, I feel, I feel for you, buddy. Uh, well, I gamble, so it, it, it helps. I, I mean, feel for you on that yeah, point, yeah. Buddy. How is Wisconsin still alive?
4: Uh, quality wins. That's how they're still alive. Um, and they're sort of, you know, we were talking about teams that that show up better in the result-based metrics. They're, they're sort of a, a version of Vanderbilt in that way. Um, they're 6-7 in quad one games. Five and five in quad two. So that's a lot of high-end wins. They've won at Marquette. They've won at Iowa. they won at Penn State, which is a team that they'd probably be compared to. In fact, swept Penn State. They beat USC on a neutral floor. I mean, they have a fair number of high-end wins. And maybe best of all for them, the worst thing on their profile is a home loss to Wake Forest, which isn't that awful. It's a quad three loss, but it's not the sort of thing that, that really stands out. I mean, ultimately, they went out and played a really solid non-conference schedule. Uh, there's a few teams at the bottom of it to drag it down a little bit, uh, but but overall, like there's a lot of decent wins. And so, you know, we've seen teams get into the tournament at 18 and 14. And if Wisconsin got a split in the Big Ten tournament, that's that's what they would be. Now, you know, I think that they probably would be wise to win twice in in this event um, because the first game, I believe, is.